who's in need of some candy today? Anybody need candy? Yeah, a couple? All right, so um, I don't know how I do this during the pandemic. Okay. I can't throw it at you. Anyway, so, so, so later on, um, hold, hold on. Man, I knew it was going to be one of these days. Yeah, Barry. Yeah? No, Barry, you're supposed to be watching worship right now. I know. Yes, we're still going to lunch, you, Sharon, Patty, and I. Okay, but I, I'm working right now. Yeah. Barry, go, go back to your computer and worship. I, listen, go, see, I'm pointing at you right now. You see me pointing at you? Stop. Okay, all right, bye. You know, it's a good friend of mine. You know, he just never has good timing and, and everything. What do you think about this shirt I wore today? Isn't it nice? Yeah? Colorful? Well, we're talking about distractions today. Can you, can you get it, that a little bit? You know, distractions with candy and phone calls and colorful orange and green and purple and pink shirts and everything else. Yes, we're, we're in a series of uh, the Garden of Good and Evil. And we've been talking on this journey the last several weeks about um, doubts and disappointments and discouragement and things that, that we learned that happened in the garden with Adam and Eve and, and how those things translate to us. And today we're going to focus on distractions because I, know, I think distractions are a key attribute of what really sends our life in a, a, tail, it's, uh, in a tailspin in the direction in which it goes. Um, you know, so we're in this story. So we're back in the Garden of Eden, and someone asked me one time, well, why are we talking about the book of Genesis in Lent? Shouldn't we be like in the New Testament, talking about Jesus and his ministries and, and the cross and all those things? Well, the answer is yes, it's all tied together. It's one book. It's God's story. And I wanted us this year to get back to the place where, where we really understand why we need a Savior. And it starts here in the Garden of Eden. And let me give you a little precursor. If you want to uh, come out on Easter, whether you're in the building or whether you're worshiping with us online, uh, we're going to end the story in the garden too. It's in John's gospel. So here's a precursor. Read ahead in John's gospel about the resurrection, and you'll see how the Garden of Eden ties into the Garden of Resurrection with Jesus because they see the gardener there. So that's just a little precursor there. So, so Adam and Eve are in the garden, and God has said, all of this is yours. I've given you everything that you possibly can see. And you can eat from anything that you want in the garden. It's all yours. You have dominion. You have power. Uh, God even let Adam name all the animals I love. Do you know how God said, Adam, go name the animals? Did you ever hear about that? Yeah, so, so it was a very complicated process, you know. So Adam was scratching his head like, you know, platypus. So he named the, the platypus. And then he said, elephant. He named the elephant. And then as, as days went on and he got really tired, he got creative with his names. Dog, cat, bird. Yeah, okay, anyway. Another distraction, right? All right. So, so distractions is where we're at today. And, and why am I doing all this? Because I'm trying to create several distractions. I'm trying to, to get you to where can you focus, can you not focus? Because this is what Adam and Eve were battling that day. They were battling all of this at that time in the garden. Here's what it says when, when, when God was speaking. If God said to Adam and Eve, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will surely what? You'll surely die. So they had everything that they wanted. And God said, of all the things, there's just this one tree. You can't eat from that one tree. And Adam and Eve got distracted. Something happened, and we've been talking about that as to what's been happening in the garden. They were distracted. Say the word distracted. That's a word that um, I think all of us in some way 
uh, has, has, has that happened to us in our life, that we get distracted by the things that we're engaged with. The serpent was crafty. We've been learning about him. He was crafty. He was deceptive. And he was able to penetrate into the mind of, of Adam and Eve. And he was able to twist and manipulate the words. And he began to tell them lies and to be very deceptive. And he was distracting them from the truth. And he uses the distractions to take their attention away from God and place it upon themselves and move them out of the love relationship that God has for them. The, the serpent was saying, I have something more desirable for you. I have something that's gonna make better sense for you. Just follow what I'm saying and go and do that. So Eve eats of the fruit, Adam eats of it as well, and that's what the enemy does. The enemy is a master of distraction. So think about your own personal distractions. How is it that you get distracted during the day of your life? You don't have to be an older person or younger person. We all do, middle age. What are the kinds of things that cause the distractions in your lives? Distractions start off a lot of times as something that just seems rather innocent, don't they? Those distractions that come in, they seem like they're harmless. They seem like um, that they can't make, um, can't make an impact. It's not a problem. It's, it's harmless at best. And we take a look at like candy. So I offered you candy earlier. Now, candy might be a distraction, but you might say, well, but that's such a small thing is candy. But if candy leads to a sugar addiction, do you see how that can be a big distraction? Some of us start, start to think about money. Money can be a distraction. Well, well, can money be a distraction? Well, yeah, if we're not wise in how we utilize or, or spend the money, it could become a distraction. Some people say, well, how about a nice car? Am I allowed to have a nice car? Yes. But if you're paying eight, $900 a month on a car payment for the nicest car that you possibly can have, and it leads you to start missing your rent payments, is that not a distraction? So distractions happen in all the instances of our lives, and we begin to see the effects of that, and it all leads back to the garden of good and evil. You see, I've often defined that a distraction is something that that, that you can name. So let's say that, that you were to name what's the most important thing in my life, What's my most treasured possession, maybe? What's the one thing that I love the most? And here it is. If, if you name whatever that is, and then God says to you, give that away, if you have to think about that before you do it, then you don't own it, it owns you. And so it can become a distraction. And these are the kinds of things that we need to be careful of. We need to go back to the garden, and we need to understand what the scriptures had to say, because the scriptures are pointing us in the direction of the importance of what distractions can do. And here's the first one. The scripture says, above all things, what matters most is your relationship with God. All right? So think about Adam and Eve. So he's placed them in the garden. He's put them there. And God has said, what's really important is your relationship with me and my relationship with you. You and I are called through the scriptures to focus, first and foremost, on our relationship with God. That has to be primary. Not our cars, not our houses, not our marriages, not our relationships with other people, but our relationship with God has to be number one. Remember how Jesus used the word pictures, and, and Jesus in so many ways used word pictures. See, here goes another distraction. Jesus uses word pictures, and he's beginning to talk to us and, and teach us, and, and he says things like, you know, look at this over here. Look at that over there. Do you see what's going on here? And he's using things in real life to bring people closer. Like the time that he saw a fig tree. And he was trying to say to the disciples that, that they can get so distracted in their life that they could actually lose their faith and they won't be fruitful, so to speak, with that. And he showed them a fig tree that was withering and dying. And he said, you could be like that. 
Here's another one. How about the time when Jesus is talking about a vine and a branch? Do you remember that story? He says the vine and the branch are intertwined and that one receives the source from the other and without the source, it will die. And he begins to summarize it this way. He says that I am the vine and you are the branches. So we are the branches that are attached to the vine. He says when you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic so he says that this is a, an organic process that God has created you to be in love with God and God to be in love with you. We are to be created in that way. It's an organic process. And because it's organic, it means it's constantly growing. It's constantly being affected. He says that the harvest is sure to be abundant. So the more healthy the vine is, the more healthy the branch and the more fruit that we produce in our life. John continues to write as Jesus is speaking here in chapter 15. He says, separated, you can't produce a thing. And think about that. We can't produce anything without the love of God. We can't produce anything without God in our life. That God is the source of all things. He says, anyone who separates from me is dead wood gathered up and thrown on the bonfire. I mean, how much more intimate can the language between Jesus be for us than that right there. I am the vine, you are the branch. You draw your energy and strength from me, and because of me and because of what you draw from me, you become fruitful, you become abundant. And when you withdraw from me, when you remove yourself from me, when you become distracted and not focus your love relationship on me, you become dead wood. And he says it's to be tossed off into the bonfire. Here's the second thing we learn in the scriptures. It says, what matters most is also becoming all that God created you to be. So the first thing is to, 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 to have a loving relationship with God. The second one is to live our life into the direction in which God actually created us to live. You see, oftentimes we get distracted. God has a joyful life. God has an abundant life. God has a wonderful life planned for us, calls us into that relationship to live that kind of life but we become distracted. Something happens at the job. Something goes on in the marriage. Something happens at school. Something happens in the neighborhood with a neighbor and things become topsy-turvy. And all of a sudden we're distracted and we can't live and live into the life that God has created us to live. But the scripture says what matters most is becoming all that God created you to be. So distractions cause you to become less than what God created you to be. When you and I are distracted, we're not focusing on the purpose of God in our life. So God created us for greatness, and God created us to be people that bring the kingdom's purpose into being. This is what happened to Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were created in God's image. They were created out of love and out of joy, but they became distracted by the serpent, and therefore they couldn't become all that God had created them to be. Here's the third piece that we learn from the scripture. Your relationship with others matters as well. So our relationship with God needs to be paramount. Number two, we need to understand that, that God has created us with purpose and God calls us to live our life into purpose. And number three, that we were created to be in relationship with each other. And that relationship is something that is extremely important. We learn in the story here in Genesis that Adam and Eve were created in that image and in that relationship to be with God. Everything was fine in the garden until the serpent came and twisted the words and Eve and Adam bought into the lie. And when they bought into the lie and they ate of the forbidden fruit, 
the whole world changed and sin entered in. And the significance of what we see in this story is at that moment, their relationship with each other was fractured as well as their relationship with God. So how you and I relate to one another is based upon trust. God trusted that they would not do what he said not to do. Eve and Adam should have trusted each other to not listen to the serpent to be deceived, but move in the direction that God had created them to move into. So when trust is broken in a relationship, it's perplexing. It challenges us, and we have to work extra hard for that trust to be restored. Here's another key point. Your distractions don't just hurt you. They also hurt other people that are in relationship with you. So we might think that, okay, if, I, if I'm distracted, it brings, it brings worry and it brings difficulty and challenges to me. But in reality, it not only affects you, it affects the people that you're in relationship with. Here's a couple of examples. Let's say that you have a, a teenage girl in your home. It shows you have a teenage daughter and, and she all of a sudden becomes fed up with the rules of the home. And, and even though she's a minor, she wants to just live her life the way that she wants to live and thinks that the world can be a lot better than the way it is at home. Well, in her mind, she thinks that the best thing to do is to just leave and she leaves. But how does that affect her parents who are brokenhearted and devastated because of the decision that she's made? Her decisions and her distractions have affected the ones who love her as well. Here's a second one. Let's say that uh, you begin with a drink a day. Let's say that during the pandemic, the one thing that, that you're doing is you're drinking more. You're drinking more alcohol, okay? Let's just say that. And let's say that, 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 that you get home, and, and the only way that you can deal with the difficulty of the day is to have one beer, to have a glass of whiskey, to drink a glass of vodka and orange juice or whatever you might drink. And all of a sudden, that one drink turns into two and then three and then four. And the next thing you know that you have, you have oversaturated your system in order to deal with and to get rid of some anxiety or doubts or challenges in your life. But the next day when you wake up, guess what? They're still there. So what we find out is, is that when we go down that slippery slope and we start um, finding ourselves moving into pills and alcohol and those kinds of things, what happens then is that it changes us. The people who live in our homes see a different side of us. Maybe our mood has changed. Maybe instead of being peaceful, we become aggressive and angry. Maybe instead of being engaged with what our kids and our spouses are doing, we become detached. You see, it affects not only the person but affects those whom they love. Here's the third one. It, it, let's say it just begins with a flirtation. Let's say that, that your husband isn't paying attention to you, and all of a sudden you go to work and someone notices that your, your hair looks pretty good, or they like the style of clothing that you wear, and every day they're showering you with compliments. The next thing you know, you're, you're falling toward these flirtations. And what seemed to be innocent turns out to be more than a flirtation because now you're being paid attention to and you enter into a time of adultery. You see, not only are you affected by that distraction, but those that you love. And distractions are things that aren't healthy for us. And Adam and Eve's story proves to us exactly the challenges that come. You see, the enemy, uh, this is how the enemy works. It starts out uh, just as one beer, one pill, one glance. We think, I can just get away with it, I can handle it, it's just one thing that I can do. It seems fun, it seems pleasurable, it seems appealing. And then the next thing you know, you're addicted or you've had a moral failure 
or you've had a challenge in your life and in your family that's fragmented and fractured who you are. It affects the people who are around you. You see, you and I, we, we make mistakes all the time. I know I make mistakes. I know you make mistakes. We all do. But the point where the mistakes comes is how we look at that. Distractions can lead to mistakes and failures, but it also can lead to success. Distractions can move us into ways of success. And, and we've been talking about how because God has wired us to be people of greatness for his kingdom's purpose, that there's nothing wrong with success as long as God is the one who's been given the glory. But sometimes our pursuit of success can become a distraction because we begin to work a lot of hours. We start missing ball games. We start missing time at night with our kids. We start not spending time with our spouse or our loved one because, you know, I've got things to do. I've got to work. I've got to press it. I've got to make the career, whatever the case may be with all of those things. You see, success might be bad because we begin to forget about God and we begin to see that there's a real challenge in our relationship that comes with God. It all seems appealing, right? The fame, the fortune, the lights, the notoriety, the attention, all that comes from being in a place where people can notice who we are. But yet that distraction can quickly quell the desire that we have for God. And that's where the enemy comes in. That's where the enemy deceives us and moves us to accept that distractions are a way of life, that the enemy wants us to see that, that in distractions, really where he's moving us away from God, but we don't see that because we start chasing the bright, shiny things that life has to offer. We read every day about wealthy people who, who have a couple of houses, a couple of cars, they have a, a huge career, and they seem to have everything that, that the average person would say, man, that's what I want, but yet maybe they're not happy and they begin pursuing the wrong things in life. It doesn't have to be a wealthy person. It could be an average person like me. That if, if we're not focused on the right things, the distractions will come. You see, too often we, we, we find ourselves moving toward the thing we can't have. And God says, focus on me. And the truth is, I'm the one who brings life. The question comes to mind, why, why do we get distracted? And I think it's reasonable to say that, that we get distracted because we allow ourselves to listen to the whispers. We allow ourselves to fall prey to the one who's speaking the lies to us. We allow ourselves, like Adam and Eve, to miss out on the perfection that God has created for us and allow ourselves to escape into something that doesn't mean the goodness for life. You see, to answer the question, we get distracted because the enemy is good at, at causing us to take our focus off of God. We get distracted with things in our minds like doubt and discouragement, distorted lies, and then we reach for something else that we think is the cure to bring about the life in which we need. What we find out in our relationship with God is that instead of, instead of turning to God, who is the source of all truth, we allow ourselves to be distracted, to turn away from God. But God met Adam and Eve in the garden and he said to them, why are you running from me? Where were you? I couldn't find you. And they said, we were hiding because we're naked. And that's what distractions do. They move you away from that loving relationship with God. 
So what do we do today? How do we deal with the distractions? How do we remove ourselves from the distractions that come in life? How do we get away from it all so that we can pursue God, we can pursue our life's direction, we can pursue a healthy relationship with others, as well as knowing that we're walking in the steps of God. An old hymn comes to mind. And that old hymn is entitled, Turn Your Eyes Upon Jesus. Maybe you know it. And it kind of goes like this. And, and listen, don't let me be a distraction as I sing this to you. I want you to sing it with me. Join me at home. Join me here in the room. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth shall grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. That's what we do. When distracted, we turn our eyes on Jesus. Let's pray.